Today on the Star Parent Podcast, we have Kelly Butler from Death Care Ottawa. She's here to give us some information about ways to deal with death in a healthy way and ways that we can talk to our children about passing on. Thanks for listening. Kelly, thank you for being here on the Star Parent today. Um, I've, we've been trying to sync times and get this aligned and we are here now and I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> Me too. It's great to be here. It is. It is. We're actually going to be discussing a topic that is something that we all have in common with and we, we don't talk about it enough and it's death. Uh, even just saying it, it, it makes me feel heavy, but I know it's something that I have this fear of and I, I need to face. Kelly is an active member of Death Care Ottawa and um, she's here today to share with us more, more information about dealing with death. Kelly, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, I uh, am a, a parent to five grown children now, and I've been involved in community death care for a number of years. Uh, I think it's going on seven years now. And come to it, uh, my background is actually nursing, so uh, it, I, I've landed here somewhat unexpectedly. But um, uh, but the the path to me makes a lot of sense in that, you know, death is the inevitable experience that we all uh, face. And uh, I think having come to an understanding as well that the death feeds life um, really changed my relationship with with thinking about dying and death. Mm. Can you expand well, on that? Death feed, feeds life. I really like that, actually. Sure. Well, and it's. I mean, I say my background's nursing, but in reality, I guess uh, if if I was to if I was to be a little more accurate, I also ran a, a market garden for a number of years, and I think that's what really brought me to this idea in a in a profound way. But that um, dying is not just inevitable; it's also proper. You know, things mm-hmm. end things need to end and the death uh if we're if we're thinking about it you know in terms of our our plant kin Mm -hmm. uh you know that their death in turn feeds the soil feeds the new growth of the coming year and um you know i suppose the other example might be you know the thing things that don't die you know you can think of a cancer cell that there's nothing uh, really healthy or functional about unlimited growth. And I mean, we can not to get into this right away, but you know, you could look at that in broader terms of with regards to society as well. Mm-hmm. So things being finite, things having an ending death is, is a really important part of, uh, our, our living. And, you know, it creates a boundary that I think, brings meaning to our living and in in that way too I think it feeds our life yeah it's yeah I hear what you're saying and philosophically it's so true like especially when you're talking about the garden and the earth and the way things go back to it but with human beings there's something something else it's like we have emotions like when people experience a death from a friend or family they like literally 
they have headaches, they get tired, their muscles ache, there's nausea, like emotionally, it's crippling, there's despair and sadness. Mentally, their memory's shot. It's like, there's so much confusion. Sometimes behaviors are like uncontrollable, like acts of emotions coming up that they probably haven't felt before. So it's like, it's interesting how our bodies react to death, like even spiritually, you know, someone could be, you know, righteous on this righteous path and then death happens. And then all of a sudden they're questioning their entire sense of self and faith. And it's all because of this end of cycle. Like, why are we not comfortable with this end? Mm -hmm. I think that's a great question. And I would, I would put it a little differently. I don't think it's the Mm. death itself. I think it's living in a death phobic society. Ah. I think I think the problem is not specifically in death, but the fact that we just don't cope with it. We Mm -hmm. don't remember how to grieve. And so we come to this moment without the skills that we need, without the experience that would guide us um, in in what is, you know, no question, a a time of of challenge and heartbreak. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, to, to have a relationship with death doesn't mean to be indifferent to it, to be unmoved by it to be spared sorrow. It means that you have this, um, shall I say, mature relationship that you, that you understand that, uh, you know, that, that there's a way to approach death, a way Mm -hmm. to be in grief and resisting it, I think is what leads to the things that you've described. Um, and the other problem I think is that we don't support each other the way we need to that, you know, that I think we all are in those moments of just, you know, abject loss and needing to be held by the community and, um, that that also doesn't exist in the way it once did, you know, that this is, this is part of our cultural loss. Yeah, that's true. It's like in the Jewish faith, uh, they have the, the Shiva. Um, mm-hmm. when someone passes and it's literally, I can't remember how many days it is, a, a week or so. And it's, they're just sitting with the family and bringing food and singing songs and reading Psalms. And, and like that's, uh, and a lot of different cultures have similar things, but then some people don't have that at all. Um, I wanted to talk, ask this question earlier. Is there death etiquette? Like, is there an etiquette unspoken way to approach someone dealing with death? Hmm. Um, I wouldn't say in the sense of, you know, there being a a hard and fast answer to that. Mm. I think, I think one thing, uh, well, there's a few things that will help, um, you know, well, I say obviously, but this unfortunately is not perhaps always the case. You shouldn't be centering yourself in this. Mm-hmm. And that that unfortunately does tend to happen when, you know, you're really focused on how you're feeling instead of thinking about the person who's at the center of the circle, as we sometimes say. Um, and uh, uh, I think sometimes, too, there's a tendency to want to cheer the person up with, um, you know, platitudes or, you know, reassuring things that don't recognize what the person's feeling. So, I mean, mm-hmm. as an example, the, oh, you know, well, they're in a better place or, oh, you know, uh, you could get pregnant again or, you, you know, things, things that are meant to comfort, but mm-hmm. actually backfire because they don't 
acknowledge how that person who's experienced a, a loss or a death is feeling. And, uh, um, you know, but, but beyond that, I think if you are, you know, really in your heart and trying to offer something, even if it's not the perfect thing, but if you're just trying to be empathetic, um, you, you know, it's, it's, the sentiment is more important than the words themselves. Mm-hmm. Authentically relating to somebody really means to tapping into your heart energy. Like Kelly was saying, just be, just be sincere with how you feel and notice that if it is uncomfortable for you to share how you're really feeling, because that in itself is the authentic part that can really connect yourself with somebody who is in pain. Let's get back to Kelly. With Community Death Care Ottawa, what is their main function um, for for people? Mm -hmm. Community Death Care Ottawa is an umbrella uh, organization. And so we have folks that do all sorts of different things. you know, death doulas, uh, uh, people that do palliative massage, uh, herbalists, uh, yoga practitioners, but that have, you know, the thing that we have in common is a focus on end of life care or care in death. So, uh, you know, we have people that can guide families on home funerals, for example. Mm -hmm. So it's not a single thing. I I would say overall at, at this point in this moment in time, um, a big part of the work is education and advocacy. So, uh, you know, for example, many of our members are working towards um, having green burial as an option within the community. What's that? Um, green burial is, uh, it's, it's a way of, of dealing, you know, disposing with the remains uh, that is as environmentally sound as, as we can possibly you know, manage. So there are specific uh, elements to green burial if, if you're being a, a purist, if I can put it that way. So it would, it would be almost like a nature preserve. And mm. there are things like, um, you know, the body is buried in something that is, is biodegradable. So for example, a pine casket or a cotton shroud, and, um, you know, there are other things too, like with green barrel, you would bury at a four foot depth rather than six. Mm. And there's nothing to mark the spot. You know, we don't use a headstone. You could possibly plant a tree. Um, but it's very much this idea of giving ourselves back to the earth and, uh, you know, having, having as small a footprint as possible. And not just a small footprint, but really wanting to be gifting ourselves um, uh, in a way of nourishing. What's the difference between the six uh, foot and the four foot? Like, I don't understand the significance of that. Yeah. Well, that's uh, for the, for the curious, uh, the, the greatest (laughs) microbial actions happening uh, at the four foot mark. So uh, it's, it's more optimal for uh, breaking a body down and, you know, nourishing the soil. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and for our listeners too, because like a death doula is also new to me. Can you explain what a death doula is? Yeah, so a death doula is someone who companions 
uh, a, a person or a family at, at a in, in time of dying. Mm -hmm. So they, it's not medical assistance. Uh, it's not that kind of care, but it's things like uh, talking about, you know, what your expectations are, how you're feeling. Sometimes it's legacy work, you know, wanting to, you know, maybe create a photo album for the grandkids or write letters. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's the kind of support for the individual. Um, and, and as I say, it really can extend to the family as well, but to just help walk them through this time that, you know, frankly, for most people, we, we arrive there with no knowledge, with no experience. Right. And yeah. so they act as a guide of sorts. Mm, it sounds grounding because like I was saying before, you know, the, the, the mental strain that death takes upon somebody, you know, most people are not in great decision-making mindsets. And like, this leads me to my next question about like, funeral homes. Do you think that um, funeral homes, some funeral homes, or even the industry itself takes advantage of the mental state that people are coming in? Mm. Yeah, that's 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 a tough question. There are, mm. you know, plenty of really dedicated, caring funeral directors and funeral homes uh, that that are absolutely focused on caring for and supporting families at mm -hmm. a time of 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 grief of loss. Uh, but but unfortunately it does happen. And sometimes it's intentional, you know, that, that, you know, we recognize that people are vulnerable and can possibly be preyed upon. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not intentional. It's just that people aren't in a great state of mind, as you say, to make decisions. And, uh, you know, they're not, the person that is helping you with arrangements is not necessarily there advocating for you. So they're not, they're not necessarily, you know, uh, trying to take advantage, but it can happen. I, I mean, I've certainly run into families where there is great regret in the weeks or months after a funeral that, you know, they just feel like, I don't know why we, we did this or that, you know, it wasn't the right mm -hmm. thing. Um, but there isn't somebody who's clear minded in their corner, as it were, helping them with some of these arrangements. What would you tell people to start their preparation, even if it's the most minuscule step forward? How would you guide people to prepare for their own death, parents' death, child, whatever, whatever, or pet? Yeah, <laughs> how would you get yeah. people to prepare for that? Well, I mean, a big one is just to start thinking about it, you know, and I think mm -hmm. I think you at the start, you sort of described that problem really beautifully that we don't even want to consider it. And I would say for sure, start by by thinking about it, contemplating the fact that, you know, we're all going to die. Mm -hmm. And from there, conversations, another great step. Um, mm -hmm. And it can be. um you know, it can be hard, but it, you know, we, we have things like grief cafes and death cafes available, which are great opportunities to, you know, come together with strangers, frankly, but, you know, get, have a chance to talk about what, what, you, what do you think, what do you feel mm -hmm. and explore because, you know, this is the problem with, with, with compartmentalizing it, keeping it bottled up, ignoring this reality 
is, um, you know, we don't even maybe have a good sense of what our views are because we've never parsed through them. We've never had a look at them. Um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, there's the opportunity to actually make plans. You can uh, uh, have something called in Ontario, advanced care planning. Um, it has different names in other provinces and places, but, but these are decisions and wishes that you lay out for, um, it doesn't specifically have to be end of life, but it often is uh, when, mm -hmm. you, when you reach a point that you can't make those decisions yourself. And it's to give guidance in terms of what you would want. Likewise, you can go to a funeral home or let your family members know, uh, but you can create a pre-plan for your funeral. So uh, there, it's possible to actually, in a very specific way, let people know what your wishes are and, and even for yourself, perhaps decide some of these things. And COVID frankly was a great, um, I mean, it's been a terrible time. Uh, there's mm -hmm. been so much suffering and loss, but it's also been an opportunity or, or an invitation to people to consider some of these things, you know, as, as I can't even imagine what it's like to prepare for a death, but the first thing that comes to mind for me is how do we prepare our children? Let's listen to Kelly. She's going to explain some tips that parents can use and come back another day to get more in depth with how we prepare our children for death. Thank you for listening. As, as we watched in the news that so many folks ended up in ICU on ventilators, having all of these interventions and not in a position to say yes or no, you know, they're unconscious right. now. And people were maybe uh, asked to consider, is this what I would want for myself? Um, and some of these conversations started happening among family members. Mm. And that's been, uh, you know, maybe one of the positive outcomes um, because I think we, we tend to just, it's easy in our Western society to just never imagine these things um, until you're, until it befalls you. And, and that is sometimes too late. Yes. And, you know, actually when you're saying that what's coming up is a lot, a lot of the times what I'm realizing is the sadness comes from not being prepared, not mm. having those conversations that they wanted to have before. Like I, I, I don't know. I just been hearing that with some friends and stuff. And I just thought, how do we prepare our children for that feeling of loneliness or being that thought of being abandoned? Like, especially if it was a, a, a parent that passes abruptly and mm -hmm. a child doesn't understand that, that feeling that they're, they're, they're feeling. So like, I don't have answers and I don't know if you have the answers, but I don't know how we prepare our our, our children for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing for sure is to not shield them from it. Mm. And I, I've certainly noticed in the last couple of decades that this seems to be uh, the trend or the philosophy is that, oh, you know, you don't want to expose children to such upsetting things, but that has done, you know, that's just kind of made the problem worse, I guess, if you want to think of it that way. So kids are not, um, Alan Wolfelt, who's a grief expert in Colorado, you know, his line is if that if if a child is old enough to love, they're old enough to grieve. And, 
you know, I think I think this is a, a handy way or a useful way to think about it, that if your child has any sense of relationship with someone, they're going to feel the sadness of their loss of, of that person's death. And so instead of excluding them from this reality, you know, that grandpa died, you need to bring them in, let them in, in, in you know, in, in what's appropriate for a child. But, you know, bring kids to funerals, talk to them about the fact that a death has occurred. Don't don't use um, euphemisms, uh, uh, you know, like that. Oh, grandma's gone to sleep. Um, it, it, it just confuses a kid. So I think we need to be more honest with them. I think they can handle it. I think mm -hmm. we should paying attention, of course, to how they're responding. They might need some additional support or explanation. And be noticing in the small ways when death happens, um, you know, that a flower at the end of the season dies or, you know, when a family pet um, is uh, dies, that, that instead of uh, trying to gloss over this or ignore it, you know, have those conversations um, about what, what we're seeing, what's happening, what the child might be noticing. And that, that's a skill building exercise um, that they, it's not to say, and it's never the goal that, you know, death wouldn't be upsetting to anyone, including children. Mm -hmm. But if we start to have some facility, some experience, we're not so completely set adrift uh, when it happens to us in a big way. Oh, yeah. I could just reach out. I'm reaching out right now and hugging you for that answer. It was so beautiful. And it runs along the lines with I was sharing other day about just being authentic with our children mm. and that they're way more resilient than we give them credit for. So mm. thank you, Kelly, for that. And I would love to have you come back to talk more about ways that we can have these conversations with our children, with our, with our, with our partners, you know, with our neighbors, even, you know, like, because, you know, sometimes we don't even have a chance to like I remember when my one of my neighbors passed away I was heartbroken and I hadn't talked to them in years mm -hmm. but when they passed it was like oh wow like I didn't even know that they were sick I didn't even know so just to be able to have these conversations I would love to be able to talk with you more just to feel more confident talking about death mm -hmm. and 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 with with somebody who who understands it for for what it, it actually is a cycle mm -hmm. of life so I don't mm -hmm. know if that interests you. Yeah, no, I'd love to. And I, I, I really appreciate your point about your neighbor. I think that's another example of how death can feed life if we're in relationship. Because, you know, your neighbor's death, what does it bring to mind that, you know, the ways that maybe you weren't connecting that you would have, that, that might have brought a richness or a greater meaning. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, de death offers that teaching to us as well. That yeah. where are we, where are we not in alignment? Where are we not, you know, fulfilling perhaps our role within a community, mm. within a village? Um, and, and it's, just, you know, it's still a heartbreak, but there's yeah. a strengthening in that too. Kelly, thank you so much for that. It's super My powerful. Pleasure. I have goosebumps. Um, everyone listening, Kelly Butler, Ottawa Community Death Care. Um, I ask yourself this question, what does spiritual parenting mean to you? Because whatever it is, please seek it, ask for it, and do whatever it takes to make you shine. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Lorraine. Great talking to you.
You too. star parent podcast wouldn't be anything without you thank you so much for your listening ears find us on instagram the star parent podcast or if you want to send us an email we are the star parent podcast at gmail.com thanks again